0: God will speak to us this morning from His Word. Amen? And so we need to understand what it is that the Spirit of the Lord is saying in the last days. That's what the message should be, is how do we respond to the Holy Spirit as He speaks to us? And what it is that He is saying? More importantly, hearing what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to us, then receiving it by faith, and allowing it to not only seed but germinate in us so that we can become doers of the word. Hallelujah. And then when we become doers of the word, right, we give glory to God. And God gives glory because it's manifest upon the earth of what we have received from the spirit ground through Christ Jesus by the Holy Spirit is manifested upon the earth. And you and I are partakers or co-workers oh, with the Holy Spirit to manifest the glory of God upon us. There may be a million other things going on around us that, that deny the power and the glory of God. But that's us give evidence, and, and I'll explain to you why that is so. So, the question that I'd like to pose to you this morning is, can we walk into eternity right now? Is the, that is the question. Can we walk into eternity now? <coughs> The truth is you and I are already in eternity. Hallelujah. When God created the heavens and the earth, he already thought about about us. He made us, he created us and gave us life in his son Christ Jesus and we walk into eternity. But eternity is also a different realm in which we need to access. We need to go into that realm and we need to pull down what is in that realm. So that we can receive what God has prepared for us. So today the title of my message is The Three Veils. The Three Veils. So, what are the three veils is what we are going to discover. What has happened to the three veils is what we are going to also understand. And how that benefits us as Christians to go further in Christ Jesus... And enter into the realm of the spirit. So that whilst we are on earth, we are partaking of eternal things. Hallelujah. That's what we are about. We are eternal beings. We don't partake of temporary things. We partake of eternal things. Hallelujah. And whilst our bodies are partaking of the natural, our spirits are partaking of the eternal. And that's what you and I must understand. What is eternal and how do we receive it? So Jesus through his death and his resurrection did away with those veils that I'm talking about which primarily hid God from us. Amen? That was the purpose of the veil. The purpose of the veil or the veils was to hide God from us so that mankind wouldn't know there's someone called God who loves us, cares for us and wants to enjoy us with himself and, and enjoy our fellowship and we all the things that he has for us. So the veils were there to hide that. The person of God, the blessings of God, the mercies of God, the goodness of God, and the whales were there to hide us. Hide those things from us. But you know, I've come to the conclusion that it is a great joy and a relief that God is now visible. Hallelujah! He is visible to those who can see because they have believed. So sight comes with faith and with encounters with God that help you to see. Come with me to the book of Hebrews, chapter 11. And we will see what happens here to a person who believes. Hebrews 11 and verse 27. Talking about Moses. Uh, let's begin at twenty four. By faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. For he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king. For he endured, this is the word, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Hallelujah! Look, this is a man, chosen of God, and and, you know, he went through a lot of problems, and he had all the wealth in the world, he could have all the position in the world, But he gave it up because he said he esteemed the reproaches of Christ. What does that mean? He had prophetically understood about the Son of God, Christ, that was to come. And he understood that Christ was going to suffer for us so that we could be redeemed and be with God. And he forsook the world for that because he could see. He could see the invisible God. And you and I, when we are born again, that's what happens is that we can see that's what the born-again ex- experience is. Jesus spoke to Nicodemus in John three three. He said, except you be born-again, you cannot see the Kingdom of God. Hallelujah! The born-again experience allows you to see the Kingdom of God. Allows you to see God. The invisible things. The invisible realm of the Spirit. Which people find hard to believe in today's world. They can believe in demons. They believe in Satan. You know, they invite him to the house. They party with him in the discotheques and everywhere else. They're happy to do all that. But the moment you say, Jesus, they shut the door. Because that's a veil. That's a veil. That's one of the veils. But I will talk more about that. So this born-again experience should not stop you seeing the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. It is my encouragement, I'm positioned as a pastor, as a teacher in the church in the body of Christ to move us further into the kingdom of God, into the realm of the invisible. So if you are a pastor or a teacher or an evangelist or whatever you are, that is your purpose. It's not to just save a person but to further that person into the kingdom of God, into the things that are available for that person that you yourself have discovered and have partaken of. Hallelujah! So you should not become a selfish Christian. You should take of what you have and give to those who don't have. You don't impose it upon them, you teach them, you open the doors for them to see by the Spirit of God. Hallelujah! And you teach them what they need to know. So the born again experience goes one further. And then the person is born of the water, which is the Word of God, and then he's born of the Spirit of God, and then he can enter into the kingdom of God. Why should he enter? That is the question. Why should he enter? If he can see the kingdom of God, why should he just be happy with that? And say, God, maybe one day I'll come up to heaven, and then I will see all your glory and all your splendor, and all the things that you have prepared for me, And he says, my son, my daughter, you are not going to partake of it there. They were prepared for you to partake of it now. In the realm of the natural, on earth. Right? So, the devil and ourselves stop ourselves from wanting that from God. Because we, we think, oh, entering into the realm of the Spirit is a bit spooky. Right? It means, oh, I've got to speak in tongues and I've got to do miracle signs, and wonders and, you know, fast for 40 days and pray. And, and that's what it means to enter into the realm of the Spirit and the Kingdom of God. It's only possible. That's only part of it. Right? He's talking about relationship. God is talking about relationship whereby you and I can become one with Him on a daily basis. And so as we go, if I come to your house every day, I have a relationship with you. You open the door for me. I walk in. I have a cup of coffee with you or a meal. I fellowship with you. And there's something exchanging between you and me that runs off on both of us. The Lord is seeking for a fellowship with us as much as we are seeking a fellowship with God. And in your house are all the delicate and wonderful things that you have prepared for your guest, that's me, that you want me to have. And I can never have it unless I enter into the house. If I'm on the outside of the house, I will never have it because they are prepared on the inside. They are meant to be partaken of on the inside. So, my friends, let us not be afraid to go into the throne room of grace not only for mercy and help in time of need but for fellowship, for oneness with the living God whereby we might partake of the glory and of the majesty that He is willing to give us and share with us in the extent that he is willing to do it. You will understand. You know it says in the Bible. He does not share his glory with anybody. But there is another part where he says that he does. And you need to understand that. Don't read the Bible only in one context. And then say oh no no. This man is talking. No. Not. You need to read your Bible. Okay. And I am going to take you to that part. Where it says he wants to share his glory with you. Hallelujah. Are you prepared? Are you prepared this morning to share glory with God? Are you prepared to go into the throne room and sit with Him and sup with Him and fellowship with Him or are you trying to bring Him down to the level of your problems? Because He's not at the level of your problems. He understands it but He's not going to partake of your problems because He has overcome them. Okay? You go on living in your past, right? You go on talking about your past He doesn't know anything about it. It's under the blood. He gave it a long time ago. You know, people come and keep telling me about their ex-husbands and their ex-wives and their ex-children and all this other stuff. Hey, give it up. Let it go. Pray the abandonment prayer. Right? Move on. Get on with God. Because God's waiting for you in the throne room. Right? Stop going on yapping about the past. It means nothing to anybody. Except it's a nuisance. Right? It's a big nuisance, and the devil gets evil. The thing about the kingdom of God is what we've got to understand is it's a kingdom of light. In it there is no darkness at all. Right? Apostle Paul says in Colossians that Jesus has translated us from the power of Satan. Listen to this. The power of Satan. What was the power of Satan? power of Satan was to cause death. Sickness, disease, mayhem, chaos, confusion, divorce, alcoholism, drugs, all of those things and much more. So that was the power of Satan. So he said he translated us from the power of Satan into the kingdom of the sun which is light. Hallelujah. See the light is shining now. So darkness is far away. Yes, you can see it. I can see darkness all around the world. But Jesus said, light shine, for thy light has come. The glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Is he sharing his glory with you? Of course he is. Right? The glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Are he sharing his glory? And now darkness flees away. He says, Oh wow, I don't know what's going on over here. Because the light is shining on this person and I can't touch this person. Right? And now you're walking in the kingdom light and in the kingdom power and you can begin to see things that you've never seen before. So, when he has translated us from Satan, what was the power of Satan is what I said to you earlier on. And let us go to the veil of Satan, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 4 and here he says about the gospel being hid, he says in whom the God of this world who is Satan, had blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ who is the image of God should shine on them shine, the word light, shine Okay, it wants Jesus wants to shine on you. The devil comes and he says, "Nah, he can't do it. Nah, he's not going to help you, right? I'm the god of this world. I can help you." But Jesus can't. You know, when we were uh, in Sydney and we were watching this uh, Zoom meeting, this couple came on the Zoom, and the husband said, "A few days ago, this lady got..." attacked by a demon and now the demon is living inside of her and the demon began to speak and it said no you can't deliver her and then she'd go back into her voice and she'd say please please help me, I'm trapped, I'm trapped I'm trapped, please help me you know we're watching this on zoom and then it will go back to the demon in her voice and it will say no you can't deliver her, no you can't do it meaning you say Jesus can't do it Right? So there are two ministers there and they couldn't do it. My friends, are we in the kingdom of life or are we in the kingdom of God? Who's got more power? Who's got more authority? Who's working that when the light shines in the darkness, the darkness does not understand it? Hallelujah! Jesus is that light. Okay? It's not just a place. It's a person. Light is a person. Jesus is his name. He is the King of kings, the Lord of lords. He lives in your heart. How did that demon in the first place get into that moment? That's the question. Because she has obviously got herself involved with something that allowed that demon to come in. So don't get involved with something where the demon gets in and you're stuck for life, And you don't know what to do. We have to come to that place. You know, what I noticed in those meetings was 90% of the people at the meetings were demonized. They all needed a demon to be cast out of them. Including the 300 or 200 that were on Zoom. 90% of them needed demons out. They all had a problem. They all had an issue. A demonic issue. Not something like, you know, I don't have enough money or something like that. And I'm saying to myself, what is happening in the church? Why aren't we teaching prevention? Prevention is better than cure. Right? Why do we need to have someone deliver us from a demonic force when the authority of Christ is already in us? Why don't we take authority? Why don't we use the authority God has given us and cast these fellows out of our lives? Cast them out. You know, we spend a lot of time trying to determine where they came from. Look, they're here, okay? I can't work out where they came from. Neither can anybody else. They all try to tell me, all oh, the great guys who cast demons off, try to tell us where they came from. I don't buy one bit. Because God has not revealed it. And I've had enough interaction with demons from the age of 5 to the age of 67 to tell you that I still don't know where they come from. But they are here. And they are real. And they are working against us. They want to destroy us. But so is Christ. He's with us. He's real. And He wants to bless us. He wants to release us. He wants to lift us up to a higher place than we've ever been. And now what the demons are doing is they're putting a veil over you and they're putting a veil over that woman saying, you know, He cannot deliver you. I felt she could deliver herself. That's what I felt that day. All she had to say was you go in the name of Jesus. If she can call on the name of Jesus and say he loves, she loves him, she can also say to the demon, go in the name of Jesus. It may take some time. But you've got to deal with the issues of your life. Your past, your rejections, your hurts, your offenses, your unforgiveness, your habits, your lust. All of those things because they are gateways. Legal rights of the enemy to enter you and hold you. Even sorrow. Even envy. Even jealousy. All of those are legal gateways for the devil to come into you. Jesus is not about those kind of things. He's about joy and peace and love and hope and mercy and goodness and kindness and faith and power and glory and abundance. That's what His kingdom is about. But the devil is put away. Over people are saying, you will never make it to heaven. You will never prosper in your life. You will never see any good come out of your life. Because you are such a dirty, rotten scoundrel from the past. And we are holding on to this baggage of the past and dragging it with us everywhere we go. And always sitting on the top of our heads. And we can't move. We can't even get up in the morning and praise the Lord. Because of the veil. The veil of lies. That the devil has put upon the people of the earth. That they cannot see into the realm of the invisible. Check. Cannot see into the invisible. As Moses saw into the invisible, thousands of years ago, he saw Jesus, and he endured. Abraham endured. Jacob endured. So many endured in the Hebrew Hebrews chapter eleven. They endured. They lost their lives because they saw into the future. Can you see into your future? Can you see the God of your future? Not only the God of your present and your past, but the God of your future. The same yesterday, today, and forever. Never changes, unchanging God. He's seated upon the throne and he's saying, Listen, come here, come and have fellowship with me. That's the veil that we need to lift off our our prayers are not getting anywhere, Pastor. You know, heaven is like brass. I understand that. But it takes discipline. It takes continuous faith that your prayers are going up to heaven. That they are making a difference. They don't go up to heaven when you live in sin or when you are angry with your partner or your friend or somebody else. They don't go up to heaven. So, you need to have a discipline. You need to come to that place and say, Lord, teach me to pray. Jesus said, watch and pray. Watch and pray. One of the disciplines is watching and praying. And watching has a huge amount of connotations attached to it. Come with me to the second veil in Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2. So the first veil was Satan's (coughs) veil. The second one, Colossians 2, 14 and 15. Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us. And, and took it out of the way nailing it to his cross and having spoiled principalities and powers he made a show of them openly triumphing over them in it what are the handwriting of ordinances the handwriting of ordinances that are against us is nothing but the law the law so the law became a veil. And the veil was given by God to the Jewish people to show them their sin, and showing them that there is a better way coming. And you need to understand that your conscience requires cleansing in order for you to stand before Me as My child. That's simply the rule of heaven. You don't try to change it. You don't try to change the rules of heaven. You don't go and negotiate with God and say, can you do it some other way? (laughs) No. He does it his way. Hallelujah. So his way was that Jesus had to go to the cross and blot out the handwriting of ordinances which were against us. He said, if you want to save them, remove the law. But how do you remove the law? You remove the law by being perfect. And being a perfect sacrifice. Not just being perfect, you have to now sacrifice yourself. Wow. So he says now this, this, this law is an indictment against us. So the priest, the high priest in the Old Testament couldn't go into the most holy place. Until and unless he had performed certain rituals and others had performed certain rituals. And that too, he only could go there once a year having made atonement for his own sins. He did this year after year after year. Never blotting out the handwriting of ordinances against the people, so sin never left. Sin was always remembered. I'll tell you what. You're looking at a dirty rotten scoundrel from the past, but not from the present. I was a dirty rotten scoundrel. Some people think I still am, but that's their fault. (laughs) Okay? But that indictment against me, by the devil, in heaven, not here. Listen to this carefully. Not here. In heaven. An accuser of the brethren saying, hey, that great, well, God, why are you saving it? Dirty, rotten scoundrel that he is. And somebody comes along and tells me something about great. And I as a pastor just, really? You mean greats like that? Even now? Hey, yeah, the other day he did this. I saw him doing this. The accuser of the brethren, Constantly bringing false accusations and lies. Using the law. Now this is what I want you to understand. He has a legal right because of the law. And the law says don't commit adultery. He has a legal right to do. An adultery is not sitting with a woman alone, it's pornography, it's masturbation, it's all of things. It's a defilement of the body that God is giving you as a temple of the Holy Spirit. So, when there's a legal right, he comes in and he says, No, I'm not a legal man. Then what do you do? Then what do you do? You have to repent. And because you repent and there is no law against that, you are saved. You are brought back into a right position with God. But repentance is imperative. You cannot go forward in your faith without repentance. Before I went on sabbatical, the Lord began to speak to me. And he said something to me, which I knew that I was in the wrong place. And I said, Lord, I've got to go. I've got to go on the sabbatical. Let me go. So I put it to the elders, I put it to the church. They all agreed, thank God they did. And I went. Because I was at the end. I was at the very end. Preaching was going great. They were getting miracles, signs and wonders were happening. All the blessings of God were upon me and my family. But something was wrong. So I went away and God began to speak. I left my family for two and a half weeks. I was on my own. And God began to speak. And I'm saying this for your benefit. I'm not confessing my sin to you. You're not my mediator. And he said, son, I give you a broad suit. and you did not use it 100% correctly. God will give you an assignment and you have to use it correctly. God will give you a mantle and you have to wear it correctly. You cannot take the mantle and use it any which way you want. You cannot take the assignment and do what you like. God doesn't like those kind of things. He loves you, but he doesn't like what's things. And he said, yes, sir. you used it very powerfully and very effectively. And you did what I asked you to do. But you, you could have done better. He wasn't condemning me. He was correcting me. And then I knew what was wrong. And I knew what was wrong. And I said, I'm sorry. I said, I'm really sorry. I understand now. Please forgive me. I repented. And everything in the atmosphere changed. Everything in the atmosphere changed. And the blessings of God began to fall. And those who were angry with me and hurt with me came back and apologized. And the power of God increased. And the peace of God increased. And the understanding of God increased. The veil had been lifted. Jesus took that.
1: The thing that was blocking
0: the progress of my faith. As much as I had enough kudo points to say that I had faith. Nobody would have said discovered this in my life. Only the Holy Spirit discover it in our lives. We need to come to that place. Then Satan has no authority over you or me. Had I not done that, had I not gone on the sabbatical, I would have made a huge mistake. That's what I was feeling about. And then the weight lifted. The problem lifted. The burden lifted. Everything left. And I was able to enter into the realm of the invisible and the realm of the spirit even more. And God was working in me to produce what he wanted. We need to come to that place where we've got to ask ourselves, are we in some way, deceiving ourselves? Are we, in some way, being deceived by Satan? That's what we've got to ask ourselves. There are people who come into your life and will tell you things which you would not like. But they're there to tell you that you've got a veil over your eyes. People don't like it, well, I'm afraid they're going to miss up. The third veil was Jesus Himself. So the first veil was Satan, the second veil was the law, and the third veil was Jesus Himself. Positioned by God to be a veil. That people could look into the future but could not see till Jesus came on the scene. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 20. First beginning verse 19. Having therefore brethren boldness to enter Into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. By a new and living way. Which he hath consecrated for us. Through the veil. That is to say. His flesh. Wow. His flesh was a veil. No one could enter. Into the presence of the Father. Till Jesus died on the cross. I'm talking about true ignorance I'm talking about going in there without a sin offering. So Jesus, till Jesus came four thousand years of veil, and two thousand years since he came and died on the cross and rose again, no more veil. Wow. You mean to say Dad, I can come in now and I can say, day. how are you, Dad? How, how's it going? Can you, can, can you listen to me? And he says, yes. I've been waiting for you. God's sitting on the throne and he's excited about you. He's excited about the progress you're making in your Christian faith through repentance and faith and turning your heart away from the world. And telling the devil to go jump in the lake of fire, that's what God is excited about. Say, see my child, see what they're doing, see how powerful they have become. They are listening to me. They're no longer complaining about their problems, they're no longer living in the past, they're now moving forward. Look, they're saving people, they're going here, they're going there. I was listening to a testimony of a guy yesterday. And you know he was saying he went to Afghanistan and Pakistan, and you know 50,000, 10,000 in the meeting giving their lives to the Lord, Muslims, unafraid to preach the gospel in a Muslim nation, and God's excited. Say, wow! They're finally getting, it. they're finally getting what I've done on the cross. Why I gave my flesh on the cross so that they could see into the invisible. They could access the power. They could access the glory. They could access everything that I have for them. Come with me to John chapter 7. Just to ratify Hebrews 10.20. Let's go to John chapter 7. 37-39 37 to 39. In that last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirsts, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture says, had said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive for the Holy Ghost was not yet given because that Jesus was not yet glorified. Wow. till Jesus died and rose again and went into the presence of the Father. The Holy Ghost was not given. And now we have the Holy Spirit because of what Jesus did. That veil had been prophesied from Genesis Jesus the Messiah coming. Get ready for him. And they couldn't, only some did. Well, he's coming back again. This time he's not coming back in the flesh. He's not coming back to take sin on himself. He's coming back as a warrior. He's coming back to take his people home. He's coming back as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the whole universe will see not only the people on the earth but all the principalities and powers all the invisible forces that are there in all the worlds that God has created will see Jesus coming and they'll say wow, we never, knew. we never knew but you and I know, you and I can see, you and I understand because the word of God is being given to us it's written down for us it's our duty to learn that word and see through that word into the realm of the spirit Stop living in all foolishness of this world and the veils that are over our heads. There is nothing greater than the second giving of salvation is the giving of the Holy Spirit. Come with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And I want to show you another part where God is sharing his glory with you and me. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. 16 to 18. He's talking about the veil, okay? That Moses put a veil over his face in verse 13 because he had just received the law. So the law became a veil. They couldn't see the glory. Okay, that Moses had seen. So he, he couldn't show it to them. So he put a veil over his face. Then we come to 16. Nevertheless, When it shall turn to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. (laughs) Wow. Now the Lord is that Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Can you sing and dance? Oh, you're not allowed to do that in church. Right? You can't laugh in church. You're all going to sit here and grow long beards, including the ladies, and look like Moses. Come on. You know, There is liberty. Right? Now what kind of liberty is he talking about? Let's go further. But we all, every single one of us, with open face, beholding as in a mirror or glass, the glory of the Lord. Now you're looking at it. Okay? A (laughs) change. Here comes the, 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 the sharing of the glory. First you see it in the mirror, and then you become like Him. You're changing the same image from glory to glory. Even as by the spirit of the Lord. Oh, does it look like He's sharing His glory with us? Yes, He's making us like Him. Of course He's sharing His glory with us. And when you're in that light, nothing matters. Nothing matters. You say, oh brother, that's for one day." in heaven when we are all going to be there in the sky. Hmm. I'm not waiting for that day. I'm going now, mate. I'm getting to that glory now. When I walk into the room, the demons must leave. Do you understand that? That is authority. When I walk into the room, the demons must leave or they must shut up. And sit where I tell them to sit. We are the wisdom. The church is the wisdom of God that is revealed to the principalities and powers in heavenly places. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10. They're going to say, Why did you come? Because God sent me. Why did I come to Australia? Because God sent me. Oh, we don't like it, right? Okay. God sent me. And while I'm here, I'm being changed from glory to glory. God is dealing with me as much as He's dealing with the situation, as much as He's dealing with the church. He's dealing with me because He wants me to change in the place that I am by the circumstances and situations and trials and tribulations that I'm going through to produce something more precious than gold, which is the glory of God. Hallelujah. The rest of you. Walking to a meeting, you call attention because you are in charge of the atmosphere. You are the authority on earth. Through Christ Jesus, be like that. Think like that. Act like that. When the veil is lifted, that is to say, the law. And Satan's constant attempts to shroud us in darkness. And Christ himself. What do I mean about Christ himself? Leave behind the principles of Christ. Hebrews chapter 6 1 to 3 says. Don't go on depending about your past. I asked somebody the other day I said, uh, you got a sickness and you're not getting healed, I'm not getting healed. I said, have you been repenting of all the things you've done in the past? He said, yes. I said, how many times are you going to repent of that? That's not the problem for your sickness. That's not the reason of your sickness. And we dragged this whole thing up with was. We keep a treasure box of the past and we drag it all up again. Somebody met me in the shopping center and said, hey, you're divorced. You're finished. You know, you're gone. You're history. I said, you get out of my way, man. God has forgiven me. I have repented. It doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. The day my father died, I knew Jesus was my Lord. He revealed himself to me father's gone. I'm not hanging on to him. I will see him in glory. He was a Christian. I will see him in glory. What am I hanging on to him for? I have a heavenly father I need to, to, to uh, have fellowship with. When I get to heaven, I'll meet my biological father again. And we'll meet again, and we'll talk again, and we'll have fun. But I've discovered my heavenly father. I've discovered my true Father. Who made me, created me, gave birth to me. Gave life to me. He's giving life to me. Why do I want to hang on to my biological father? For what? He's not giving me life. He never gave me life. Jesus. Don't let Satan fool you. And then move on from Christ. Jesus who came in the flesh. Going to Jesus who is in Ephesians chapter 1, 17 to 23. Seated upon the throne. Ruling over every principality and power. Having all dominion and riches. And is waiting for you. Go into that realm. Don't go back to the old ways. Look, uh, God, I heaps more to tell you about this message. But everything has got to do with wisdom understanding and knowledge. They are the building blocks for the habitation of God in your life. Okay, don't use anything that's going on wrong. Because people don't understand this, that the words of God, used in wisdom, used in understanding and used in knowledge are the building blocks. They get demonized. They get attacked by the enemy. They're constantly going back and becoming victims of Satan. See, I see a glorious end for all of us. But those who believe, but those who don't believe, there's no glorious end for them. And so I have resolved that what is waiting for me is glorious. So I have resolved in my mind to be happy and of a sound mind whilst I'm waiting for that. On earth, so get up, laugh, have fun, joke, love your family, get on with life. You know, don't worry about anything and just keep going. Because Jesus Himself said, "Be anxious about nothing." So why are we saying, "No Lord, can I have one percent? Can I have two percent worry? Can I have three percent worry?" No, you, you can't have any worry at all. Don't negotiate with Him for worry. Because he doesn't know what worry is. And only You and I know what worry is. Right? John's doing worse than me in the hair department with the work. <laughs> but listen, I'm telling you something here today that you need to take home with you. Set yourself free. You say, I'm only talking about only Jesus set second free. No, the truth will set you free. He is the truth. He is the way. He is the life. The truth is a revelation. It's a realization. It's an acceptance of what God is saying to us about us, that we might be changed from glory to glory into the image of Christ, which is what his desire is. Though the devil seeks to blind us in so many areas of our lives, through circumstances and situations, let us not give him any opportunity. Paul says we do not preach ourselves. We preach Christ. Then he says, we do preach ourselves. You know, and what does he mean? He's talking about the born again. Man. Preaching Christ in him. Right? Christ is in you. I want to see Christ in you. I want to see the glory of God through you. Touching lives out there. In the streets. And in your workplaces. In your homes.
1: Just the presence of God with
0: you. Invite the presence of God into your life every day, every moment of the day, and say, God, I don't want to become theological, I don't want to be doctrinal, I don't want to be a man of the letter, I want to be a man and a woman of life, letter that turns to life. And when I speak, people will listen. When I pray, they will be delivered. And everywhere we go, we see that in our ministry. Right? Because we listen to the Spirit of the Lord. Go to a totally uh, strange church we've never been in before. And God tells me, wakes me up in the morning and he says to me, you know, certain things. I go to that church and I say, God told me these things. And I said, there are two people here or watching on uh, live stream. I said, God, but I think it's in the hall. Two people. God is so evil that you need to move on from where you're it ended up being eight people and Chris and Oja and I began to pray and go out and move and they were getting whacked left right in understand. I didn't know what was going on we even had to ask them what's going on with you God knows. God knows what's happening to you. God knows how to fix what's happening to you. But you're not letting him. You're putting the veil over your own eyes and stopping him from doing what he wants to do. So you confess negatively. You go on thinking about the past. You go on doing those things that are familiar to you from the past. You're afraid to take hold of the invisible that becomes visible by faith. you need to change. I need to change. I want to go deeper. You know, people may think, oh, you lost your mothers. No, I haven't. I'm getting deeper into the realm of God who is spirit. Our victories are dependent on knowing God and His love for us. Along with what he has prepared for us. I want it. He says appropriate it. Take it. If it means death to self, do it. If it means confession, do it. If it means move by faith, do it. Take a hold of it. It's been prepared for you. How can you take hold of something you have not seen, known, or heard? Except the spirit of God speaks to you and reveals it to you. For that, you must be in communion with Him. Walk into a situation and change it by the power of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah! God is waiting for you. God is waiting for you to change your way of thinking, to take that you know filthy thinking out of your mind. Voice me. I'm getting nowhere. I'm no good. (laughs)